Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of White Men Disagree About Sports, a podcast where a few friends get together and have hypothetical, nonsensical discussions about future and past events in the sporting world that has almost no real-world bearing. Before we begin, I want to address our title. We welcome all 7-plus billion human beings into our discussion space. Our title is not meant to exclude or offend anyone, nor suggest these conversations belong simply in a primarily white patriarchal space. The purpose of our title is mostly that of self-deprecation, as our friend group acknowledges our alignment with the stereotype of the white male that believe they are an authority on sports, which we are not, or that sporting outcomes have some sort of real-life relevance or impact on our lives, which they don't. My name is Alan. I am incredibly unqualified to talk about sports. I almost exclusively watch the NFL, and even then have really only paid attention to it since 2014, so if you give me any sort of notable league events before then, uh, I will make people over 40 seem old, and people under 18 seem like I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> I, I, I definitely let that ring true. Same here. I, I'm Jeff. I also am unqualified to talk about sports, although I am the only person who will talk on this podcast that has actually played football for more than a year. I still know nothing about the game. I have been watching it my whole life, but mainly from the couch with my screaming uncles yelling to pass it and why the Steelers are bad. But hey, man, I, I, I watch it enough that I think I know a thing or two. Well, we are both and pretty much anybody that will be joining us on this podcast are from Pittsburgh, born and raised. Uh, obviously, we'll be uh, endlessly rooting for and likely talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, even after they go six and ten this year. But we're not going to worry about that yet. Nope it's it, it's all it's all about the journey, man. And I I've seen two Super Bowls in my lifetime, and I'd like to see more. But hey, I, I there are people that can complain a lot more than us. <sighs> Certainly. Yep. What's it? So I'm thinking of I'm thinking of as the season nears and or starts. Uh, Picking a, picking a second team to root for, like a tangential team. So obviously it has to be outside the division. You know, I'd, I'd like to pick a team the Steelers don't play during the year, but that might be too restrictive. And yeah. I, I just, I just, I want to roll with a team that has some players I like, maybe some coaches I like. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't have to pick the favorite. The Steelers don't play the NFC South this year, right? No. Why do I feel like it's the NFC North? It's it's a it's a rotation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, it is I, NFC North. I was I some for me. I feel like we haven't played the Packers in a while. Right, Green That's Bay's out. Vikings out. Not room for the Bears. Not room for the Lions. Like I ever would. Oh, uh, my so, home, my <laughs> home team, Alan. <laughs> yeah, Jeff, Jeff's currently residing outside of Detroit. So. Uh, yeah. Also, God, are, are these people here? diehard lines i i was reason. also impressed with that i spent some time in michigan and i've met i met some lions fans that are like they they are ride or die you know when 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 they're losing nobody's nobody's jumping off the train <laughs> I, I don't know i you know they, they're they're blue collar here they got some grit and you know the, the this detroit team has tried to use that to win some games and they most certainly have not won some games <laughs> Have you seen the new head coach of the Detroit Lions, Dan Campbell? Have you like heard uh, he, any sound he, he clips from him? Oh yeah, I, I have. <laughs> I have heard some of his press conference. 
in that I mean that that is some high school coach energy there. He belongs on this podcast. <laughs> he uh, dude, he'd be uh, like having a uh, prolonged conversation with him would be amazing. Love to hear more about it. But yeah, I, I definitely like I I've, I've always in my mind like had that like second team that like you, you felt like you were cheating on on the Steelers a little bit when you were cheering for them. Oh yeah. Even though like it wasn't a direct game. I mean, for me back in the day that was the Colts because Peyton Peyton Manning was my favorite football player. That'll do for it. the longest time. And then everyone also likes to have their their opposite conference team that you you look forward to seeing in the Super Bowl. Uh huh. So yeah, I definitely would love to to pick a pick a new team to to root for besides the the Steelers, and you know maybe have someone that will actually compete this year. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, yeah, being a favorite to win it all is certainly not a prerequisite. But you know, my my guts my guts telling me the Arizona Cardinals. I think we could all get behind. The Cardinals, uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is one of my favorite players. You know, we're all Steelers fans, uh, so we like J.J. and T.J. Watt and Derek when he makes an appearance occasionally. But I, but the, I, what I'm what I'm struggling with with the Cardinals is just their their division so damn good. I know, man. I well, I I, I was looking at that division as well as uh, as a team to support, and I just think the Rams have just been one. Like ever since their Super Bowl a few years back, I really think they've just been one or two guys away, and just something hasn't been going right in in the with that team. And yeah, you know, hopefully with the, some of the off season the moves they made, bringing in Matt Stafford, that might be enough to to get them over that hump and get them back into into the big games. I know they've had had their playoff runs, but still seem to be stalling in that divisional round. But uh, Dude, no, yeah, no, no that, doubt Matt NFC Stafford's West. an upgrade. No doubt Matt Stafford's an upgrade. Oh. But I feel your point of being one or two guys away, I, I agree with that. But I feel also every year they've been losing one or two more guys. You know, they've they, they got so much money invested up in their stars. You know, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and previously Jared Goff that they're still paying for. Uh, that I, I feel like they got a, a big depth issue that's going to show itself big this year. You know, I, I, I hate to see Matt Stafford finally escape the big D and then end up <laughs> with a team that can't support them. Um, but, you know, I think this is, this is it. This year's it for the Rams. Uh, they, they've proven me wrong before. They've worked some magic around some tough situations. Uh, so I don't want to count them out. I don't think anybody saw their Super Bowl season coming. Uh, but, uh, you know, my, my, I am of the opinion you can clip this and play it back to me in a year to make me feel dumb. But I, I think the Rams are going to have some issues this year. And if not this year, certainly next. I definitely think that's an interesting thing when you're looking at some of these teams is how big is that window for them? So for the Rams, man, that might have been the smallest window I've ever heard of. <laughs> One season to get to get the win. Uh, and, I mean, there's plenty of other teams that have had it. Uh, obviously, being from Pittsburgh, I, I think our, our window for championship has passed. And uh, as – much as I hate to say it, it, it always felt like the Patriots uh, window was was closing, but then Tom would go and win another one there. And then, uh, you know, then I thought once he left, oh, his window's done for him winning Super Bowls. And then, of course, he goes and wins one in Tampa Bay. But it's it's definitely an interesting thing to look at some of the teams that have the those franchise quarterbacks and 
looking at some of the ones that have spent and tried to make that run in, in the previous years and whether or not they're still in that, that championship window that they have. My dog is super playful anytime I'm in a meeting. <laughs> it's really obnoxious. Oh, dude. We love dogs. So we're pro-dog. <laughs> we're... we're... I don't know if you're pro dog as much as you are anti cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're good. Uh, I don't know. Do Do you want to talk about some of our our um big free agent moves for this uh this off season? Yeah, let's talk. Uh, let's talk some, a little bit of free agency. Ones you know, kind of been kind of been droning on, letting the conversation roll. Uh, so let's let's start with defense. Uh, you know, if I'm not qualified to talk about football, I'm especially not qualified to talk about defense. But <laughs> I'm gonna I'll give her a go anyway. Uh, so this 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 year the the one defensive free agent signing I was most excited about was Shaq Barrett re-signing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Of course, you know it's always a splashy move when a player uh, gets top of the market money, and so Shaq Barrett is coming off a nine sack season. Signs a deal four years, sixty-eight million dollars, thirty-four million guaranteed. Uh, you know, the, the of course, everyone knows the reason that I'm most excited about this is because Tom Brady's coming back for another year, and you keep that like just incredible defense together. Uh, they also signed Levante David, which is another leader on that defense. But I'm I'm surprised that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were able to hold on to a key edge defender to support their Hall of Fame-level quarterback that is coming back for one of his final years. I'm mirroring the situation in Pittsburgh where they have decided not to re-sign uh, their star edge defender, Bud Dupree, and let him walk in free agency. So I guess uh, at the end of this year, we'll find out which strategy was better. <laughs> but I'm excited that uh, Tampa Bay was able to hold on to Jaquil Barrett. I think that'll help them immensely in the coming year. Uh, I mean, he was a guy that was a huge force for them. And I think talking about that Tampa Bay defense and what they did uh, late in the year and then leading into the playoffs, I mean, pretty much shutting down Aaron Rodgers in that playoff game that they played against him. I mean, Tom was playing out of his mind as well. But you got to think that without guys like Shaq Barrett on that team, that there's not enough depth there to extend that run, their playoff run that they had. Uh, into getting them to the Super Bowl and eventually winning it as well. And to be able to bring a guy back like that to the team, it's just so big, especially after winning a championship. You know, a lot of those guys in the locker room, they're wondering, oh, is this, is this the last time I'm seeing a lot of these guys? Is this the last time this team is going to be together? Is this going to be the end of that? But when you can bring those guys back, it's just such a huge morale boost. And obviously, they're, they play great together. And we've seen it all all last year with how dominant he was. I don't have his, his stats pulled up, but I'm sure they were definitely highest in the league in a lot of uh, tackles. And I, I really think having a great edge rusher is so big for NFL caliber defenses. And those guys don't just come around every year. Yeah, especially like you said, playing how well they did in the playoffs. You know, their playoff run – here's an interesting point. So their playoff run, they, they stopped the Washington football team – piloted by Taylor Heineke. They effectively ended Drew Brees' career, and they shut down Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes in back-to-back games. So here's an interesting point for you. I think Taylor Heineke looked just about as good as any of those other quarterbacks throughout the playoff run. So can we expect Taylor Heineke to come out looking like Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers this year? 
I, I, I wouldn't say it, especially when you look at the fact that they brought in <laughs> a, uh, <laughs> what feels like the the timeless the timeless man in Ryan Fitzpatrick to come and coach, uh, come and play quarterback, but more probably to coach Heineke and kind of get him through some of those early struggles in this league and kind of mold him into a quarterback. But uh, that was one of the the freaking signings that I wasn't too crazy about was was Fitzpatrick to to the Washington football team. Not Just a fan because I, I feel like that's that's a team that's in such a bad space. They're in a, a division that is, I, I would argue, the worst in football. <laughs> uh, and also, like, I don't like this kind of mantra about bringing Ryan Fitzpatrick in as a mentor. Like, I don't see him as a mentor. He like steals people's jobs. <laughs> like when he was in Tampa Bay, I, I can assume that he was brought in there to help James Winston get over some of the struggles he was having towards the uh, second and third years of his role. But then Ryan Fitzpatrick just comes in and takes the starting job for a couple weeks. And then when he's in Miami, obviously he starts the season out as a starter. And then eventually Tua comes in and, and Tua looked good in some of those games. But you got to think that Ryan Fitzpatrick wasn't there to mentor Tua. He was there to be a starting quarterback and win football games. Count- counterpoint. Just, uh, Maybe the football team didn't sign him to be a mentor. Maybe they they know that Heineke's not the long-term solution. They're just using him as a bridge. You know, I think Fitzpatrick is the ultimate bridge quarterback. He'll win you some I, games. I, think, I guess, but I, I don't see the reason to bring them in. If you don't think Heineke's the guy, why do you bring in a guy that might win you four or five games and get you out of one of those early-round picks in the next draft? Why not just keep Heineke around and, you know, go off into mediocrity and then just get an early uh, – early pick that you can then use to kind of build the rest of the team, draft your starting quarterback. There's a dueling philosophy. I feel like the majority of NFL fans would say you would, they want your, they want their team to tank when their team's mediocre. They want them to tank to get that high draft pick to just completely reset and rebuild. But uh, there, I feel like a majority of NFL teams believe that tanking is not necessary and maybe not even the best way to go about it. Uh, Many reasons for that, but let me let me point to some key evidence for you know historically great franchises. You know when's when's the last time the Steelers tanked? You know you could argue like the late '90s, right? When's the last time the Patriots tanked? You could argue again like the late '90s, like and you know this happens in other sports in baseball, like the Red Sox and the Yankees. Although that might have something to do with there not being a salary cap. Uh, I would argue that tanking is not always the best way to go about things, and I think specifically with this Washington football team tanking is not their best route out because of how good their defense is they have so many valuable players on defense like the Steelers without Big Ben a couple years ago their defense is going to win them six or seven games maybe yeah I, I definitely see what you mean and I know it's it's really easy to speak from the outside looking in telling a fan base hey accept your team losing <laughs> meanwhile I'm over here and if, if the Steelers wanted to go 0-16 and, and guarantee me the first round pick I'd, I'd be absolutely furious. It's it's tough to kind of wrap your head around tanking as a concept, and I, I think that's why it hasn't been fully adopted into the NFL, just because you can have some of those miracle games, or you get a, a team like the Jets this year who it felt like was tanking and just accidentally on, on a whim winning two games and essentially going out of the Trevor Lawrence lottery. That's going to look real bad in 10 years. Yeah, I 
you got to think that. Uh, I mean, assuming Trevor Lawrence is everything that he's he's knacked up to be, and if I am unqualified to talk about NFL football, I am nowhere near qualified to talk about college football <laughs> and all all the things that go into that and understanding how players transition into the NFL. But uh, it it's really really tough to to rationalize some of those decisions for when you decide to lose. I, I think a lot of it is defined by the division you're in. And they've seen teams in that division, mainly I'd say the Giants, kind of work on that tanking angle to bring in uh, a quarterback, running back. And for, they've seen that it hasn't really had the greatest results in being an instant turnaround for the franchise. Mm-hmm. And that might be what's dissuading them from going to a full tanking mode. All right, let's 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 bring it back. Offense or defense doesn't matter, but uh, what's one more free agent that's been signed recently that you are excited about in this upcoming year so i this is a little bit of uh interesting one who hasn't necessarily been signed (laughs) but he has been tagged and signed his tender so he will be playing for that team and that's chris godwin for the tampa bay buccaneers i think uh exercising the franchise tag was the only possible way that tampa bay was keeping him on the roster that year. And I think it was a huge move for them, especially with talking about how they were able to bring back a lot of those defensive pieces and obviously having Tom Brady back for another year. Being able to have Chris Godwin, who is a dominant receiver for them, uh, argue I might even argue a, a bigger piece of their offense as opposed to their wide receiver one, Mike Evans. Uh, he's a great, dependable guy to go up and get the ball, big physical presence. And I think he's a guy that's only gotten better with every year that he's been in the league. And he definitely was looking for a big payday after this year. And Tampa Bay being able to lock him up for this this upcoming season is a huge get for them. I agree. You'd imagine he'd get much more than his about $16 million franchise tag elsewhere. And also as a player, you want more than a single guaranteed year of your contract, you know, in case of injury. Uh, so, you know, if Kenny Galladay is getting – what like 17 million a year then you imagine chris godwin's gonna get at or greater than that amount mm-hmm. uh you know i i agree with you he might be a bigger part of their offense than, than mike evans is uh, but they they certainly both fill distinct roles uh evans being a real big perimeter and red zone guy and godwin fit working more towards the middle of the field uh you know I feel like Tampa Bay has greater wide receiver depth than a lot of other teams, you know, but of course you know, your, your team's always going to feel like you have wide receiver depth when Tom Brady's throwing to him. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I feel, <laughs> I feel the drop off from, from Godwin to their, to their next piece was a, was a big gap that it's nice that they filled that with the franchise tag. You could argue a lot about whether the franchise tag is a good thing. Sometimes it, it makes sense to use it. Other times it doesn't. We we've seen it, work out for teams in the past and you know you just got to hope that uh godwin plays really well stays healthy has a good season and then can go and get paid next year Mm -hmm. let's uh let's stick in the nfc south to another team the uh the new orleans saints who just lost their hall of fame quarterback drew Brees to retirement and to the nbc broadcasting booth their current quarterback situation is a duel between jamie's winston and Mr. Taysom Hill. I'm shocked that Jamie's Winston stays in New Orleans. 
uh, you know, you can you can try to tell me why he stayed there, but I'm still not going to agree with you. You know, I think I think Jamie's could have gotten a starting job somewhere else. You know, if Ryan Fitzpatrick's making ten million dollars a year playing for the football team, you can't tell me they would have paid more to have Jamie Swinson. I I definitely agree with you. I I think the real limiter and possibly why Winston decided to stay around was uh, being able to be under Sean Payton and also because of the limited amount of snaps that he was able to kind of see this season, I think that he might be one of those guys that's, if he can get a little bit more time and a little bit more shine with the Saints this year, he could be one step closer to signing that big multi-million dollar deal that some of these other free agent quarterbacks have, have shown they Jay, can earn yeah. in the past. Winston next year is getting 20 million a year. Like, yeah, I, I, I think we saw it a little bit with Teddy Bridgewater in a sim, similar situation where for he the came same in team. for a couple, a couple of years and then uh, a couple of games and got that big contract to go to the Panthers. And I, and I mean, that was, Teddy Bridgewater only played, what, four games that year? Five, I think. I think he went 5-0. and oh. Yeah, and I, I, I think you know Jameis Winston with a whole season with the Saints. I, I think the Saints lost a lot. Of pieces is going... is Jameis the starter though? I, um, it's it's tough to say. I I have to think yes. I I think the amount that you lose by committing Taysom Hill to just playing quarterback is such a drop off. He's being able to utilize him as a gadget player and have him be more involved in the offense with receiving, drawing coverage, uh, as a running back, all those different positions that he's able to play just really expands that playbook that they have there in New Orleans and just allows them to really throw defenses off and have them unprepared. Do I think that Taysom Hill will still take snaps under center this year? Yes. Do I think it'll be more than he took when Drew Brees was there last year? Absolutely. But I I just see Jameis Winston as the starting quarterback for the Saints this upcoming year. Sean Payton is a fickle beast. Uh, so trying to predict what he's going to do, it's not easy. Uh, I, have, I have a feeling, though, that Taysom Hill will be starting for the Saints on day one. You know, I, I agree there will be kind of like a two-QB system in place, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think Taysom Hill is going to take like 80% plus of the snaps under center or for, from, uh, from the quarterback position. It'll definitely be interesting to see. And I mean, Taysom Hill is definitely the one who they are paying like a starting quarterback in that offense. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend to understand his contract situation. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, I, why don't we just start throwing voidable years on everything? I'm surprised that uh, <laughs> my company that I work for hasn't thrown on a couple voidable years so they don't have to pay as many of my benefits <laughs> from year to year. But, uh, who, who knows the, the wizardry that goes on with some of those cap decisions this year with the uh, salary cap going down. Uh, I want the Saints GM doing my taxes for me. That'd be, that'd be <laughs> nice. Yeah, <laughs> throw a couple of avoidable years on that. I, I need some money now. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely think they're they're in a tough division though there, and, and it'll, it'll be interesting to see some of the moves that they make with the NFC South. I I'm, I really thought this past season the NFC South would be more of, more of a player than it ended up being. I, I think things didn't go well for Atlanta or Carolina with both of their coaching situations, one with a coach getting fired and the other one with a coach uh, in his first year trying to kind of corral his team around a new starting quarterback and a whole new offense altogether. Moving on from uh, 
Cam Newton, some of those other guys that they had. Uh, but, I mean, they got the defending Super Bowl champs in their division, so you got to be ready for them to really come out and give you some great games. Let's talk some more defensive free agents. What do we got here? Mike, Mike Hilton? Yeah, he got some four-year deal. Man. Mike Hilton better be sliding uh, Keith Butler some of that money for blitzing him so much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, he better also be thanking uh, Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt taking taking on tackles for him too. Oh, direct defensive like, oh, line. Was... You're you're getting blocked. Oh, I'm gonna keep going. Steelers D line was so good this year. When it was when Bud went down, man, fucking so rough. It was like, oh shit. I remember seeing it in real time, thinking he tore his Achilles. He stood up, ran towards the tackle, and fell to the ground without touching him. Oh, yeah, those new contacts are like, well, he's done for the year. Yeah, it's not like basketball where, like, guys can go down like that and be a, be like, oh, it's okay, it's just a little tight or something like that. Mm-hmm. Football, it's like, oh, yeah, he's uh, – that's way too much man there. Yeah, although, did – losing one player on the edge, though, did that really make our defensive line that much worse? Because I, feel like, um... I feel like our backup, backup stepped in, like, just fine. I feel like the biggest issue with our defense was how bad our offense was. Yeah, no. uh, like that doesn't instantly make us like a non-competable team, but just like losing depth is like losing depth coupled with the fact that they were on the field fucking constantly. Mm, we did not. That's the one of the first people to replace but free. It was Alex Highsmith. I'd never heard his name until he came in. <laughs> Nope. I was like, oh, is that Lamar Woodley coming back? Lamar <laughs> 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 They wore the same jersey number. <laughs> I know, dude. Hearing, like, those, those like, early uh, 2000s players is just so funny. Dude, I'm surprised we cut Vince Williams. I remember when, when Shazier went down and Vince Williams came in to play for him, I was super upset. But, like, who's, who's going to be better than Brian Shazier? So, like, I wasn't going to be a fan of him anyway, but I feel I feel like it really improved a lot this year. I, I think his play this year is... Uh, I, I feel like he's been good, but, like, damn, how much were we saving with him? I mean, I guess enough to sign Juju. Although Juju's cap hit's only, like, $2 million this year. I think we had a avoidable year to make like, that happen. I don't know. I, I was very surprised. Yeah. Glad we got Juju back, though. Surprised he didn't go to the uh, Jets. Yeah, uh, after like looking at it more, I mean, it makes it makes sense for him. Yeah, everybody's like, saying he took less money to come to the Steelers, and that's only true in the case of the Chiefs offer because, yeah, the Ravens were offering more money, but like the he he was thinking about the next contract when the salary cap increases after this down year. So if yeah. he went to play for the Ravens, his stats would be certainly lower than if he played for the Steelers, but like. I'm I'm shocked he did not go to the Chiefs. Maybe he hated Lev Bell that much. <laughs> no, I, I I think he just really like I think he just really likes who he's playing with here. The people it could be like the the Steeler other Steelers players you're saying. Yeah, like I think he he likes those guys. Yeah, and you know, honestly, he could also feel out like what. what see what the plan is post Ben. Like, hey Steelers, what what are we doing here, buds? Do you we think ta- we tank we tank <laughs> and I'm gone. Right. Uh do you think 
that Juju's stats would be better in 2021 playing for the Steelers or the Chiefs? Uh, How many? I got to look up what like Miko Hardman's production was. It, it, it has to be the Steelers. You think? I just can't imagine anyone breaking 500 yards outside of Kelsey and Hill. Yeah, well, so Miko Hardman maybe did they it just the past two years, but like he's also on the roster this year. Ah, maybe that was it uh, then. Maybe maybe it's about like maybe it's just all about what numbers he won. I don't know. May like tough for me to to be able to tell because you go from like number one guy to like number three or four target depending on how much Patrick Mahomes is, is throwing to the running back. Like maybe if the Chiefs were like, oh yeah, dude, we're just completely giving up on the running game, I'd be like, okay, yeah, we can make this work. <laughs> So that's that's a I think that's a weird part of free agent negotiations, uh, like how much you'll be involved with the team. So I know that Andy Dalton signed the contract with the Bears, and there's this big splashy headline where Andy Dalton said they told me I was the starter, that's why I signed there. But like, the, like them saying like yeah you're our starter and you actually starting on day one in a couple months like that's that's a that's a really different thing. Well, yeah, you yeah you be the starter for the first practice, and then you get your ass benched. <laughs> yeah, so I I don't know how much uh, saying how much an organization saying yeah you're gonna play a big role for us like should have in the negotiation process. You've you've convinced. I guess it, it, if it gets the guy to you, <laughs> right? I think you've convinced me that Juju had better numbers with the Steelers this year, and my my gut reaction was no way, man. Like playing in the Chiefs' offense, but. Uh, then if you look at that from the angle of, look how much other production is there. It, it's just, like, the the type of routes that Juju runs are just Travis Kelsey's routes. I can see and, that. And, and Juju's like, not chipping edge defenders. <laughs> yeah, like, Travis Kelsey's running the same routes that Juju's going to run. And the odds of Travis Kelsey getting a linebacker put on him are two to three times as likely as Juju. So, like, why? How much? But it it would make sense if you were going, like, uh, just eliminating the run game. So then you have, like, running back, hanging back, and then you have, like, three wide with the tight end kicked out. So then it makes a little bit more sense to have him there in, like, the four wide. Yeah, but how many of of your... 60 or so offensive snaps you get a game or you run in that formation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, he'd still put up a good number. I like I I think his number again won't be surprised this year if he's not the fucking number 1 guy for the Steelers I, I'll be in yard, in yardage. I think he's the favorite to lead us in yards, certainly, but also wouldn't be surprised. As you said, yeah. How much of a factor do you think them being in Kansas City, like the like fan base market, played. I don't. I don't think much. Like people make it like this big deal, like about Juju going to a bigger market, and not like he's super present online. So I don't think it really matters with him going to like a New York or an LA. Like he's he's still gonna have a huge presence, no matter. Like even if he went to fucking Green Bay, 
he'd have a huge presence online and still have the same fans. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like going to New York, LA would significantly help his brand. You know, I can't quantify that, uh, and I can't quantify how that will change to dollars and cents, but, uh, you know, I I think that's important to him. I think going to a yeah, big market is important to him, and that's why I was sold he was going to go to the Jets, <laughs> which I'm, as you said, like, uh, it seems the media has been playing it up like that, and maybe that's all just the fodder that I've been ingesting and regurgitating. But I would say after this one-year deal with the Steelers, he's he's going to a big market. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see who's there, like who who's looking. Yeah. Figuring out which team's looking for wide receivers is so tough. <laughs> True. New York like, isn't anymore. Yeah, I guess. I guess Kenny Galladay is good enough. Like. He's he's pretty good, man. Although I see, you know, coming into free agency, the buzz was, oh, there's so many good free agent wide receivers out there, man. You have you have these guys signing, you know, ten, fifteen million dollar deals, and then Kenny Galladay's still available, and you say, whoa, I think Kenny Galladay's like much better than these fools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Poor Chris yeah. Godwin. Um, you know, Kenny Galladay gets four years, uh, what, seventy-two million. Imagine what Chris Godwin could have gotten. Oh no, Godwin got tagged. Robinson got tagged. They yep. they had talked about tagging Galladay. Yeah. So and... uh, at this point, I, th- I think it's kind of rare. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure every free agent that got tagged has signed their franchise tag or extended their their contract. So uh, you know, <laughs> I, I'm thinking why Galladay didn't get tagged is because Detroit knew that Galladay probably wasn't signing that thing. Detroit fans can can hate me, but, you know, uh, as of this moment, uh, that that franchise isn't going anywhere. You know, they're they're one of the ones that I'll believe it when I see it. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Hey, dude, that's that's why I chose to defend uh, Andy Dalton to Chicago. Like, they're the one team that still has a fighting chance in that division against Green Bay. You you think they got a better chance than the Vikings? Ah, dude, I think the Vikings. Garbage, <laughs> dude. I some strong words. Fucking here. Kirk's bad. Kirk's not good. See, I, okay, Kirk was not good two years ago. I think he played well this year. Okay, I, okay, he played better. He, his his best year was definitely his last in Washington. <laughs> yeah, something's not fitting, and, and I don't know what it is in Min- in Minnesota. And like, even in his good years, fucking, he's got people quitting the team and leaving. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. Kirk can suck, sure. Uh, Vikings defense was bad this year, certainly. I I do not see how the Bears offense is better than the Vikings offense, as far as like challenging Green Bay. Like I I feel like talking defense is almost moot because he was going to stop Aaron Rodgers, but Khalil, Khalil Mack, on his own. I don't (laughs) need anybody else. I'll sack him. You think Khalil finishes his career in Chicago? Uh, yeah, because they're probably going to pay him more. <laughs> They'll just keep paying him. <laughs> I don't know. I also, um, I, I think Dalton is a real big, uh, he's a real big heat check for, for the Bears. Like, So he, he's definitely a quarterback improvement on Trubisky and on Foles. Yep. So it's just like, all right, we got a better quarterback. Let's see if, if that was the problem. 
and if Dalton solves it, it's like, okay, let's start, let's work on building these next couple pieces with the draft picks because I think they'll they will have a first next year. If I'm right, they have Finally. they don't have one. Yeah, they, yeah. This was the last Khalil Mack one, right? This year's with the Raiders. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, was this year. So they'll actually have a first round pick next year, and they can start building. Or you know, things don't work out with Dalton. It's like, okay, let's let's work on the rebuild, get Nagy out of here, see what we can do. Uh, picking up whatever coaches is open. Wait, so if they have a good year this year, they're gonna get rid of Nagy? No, no, good year, good year, they rebuild. Or, or no, good year they start building around either Dalton, yeah, probably Dalton as a quarterback, or just bring in a good quarterback and build around him. I or agree. if it's a bad year, Nagy goes and you just commit to a rebuild. Bring in a new coach, let him take over. See, Dalton is thirty-four, so you'd imagine he's got three three good years left in him, based on the way things are going around the league. It's, it's, I guess also Dalton with Dalton you figure out if it, if it's a quarterback problem that your team has or not mm-hmm. with him. I definitely think he still had good years of football when he was cut by the Bengals. Yeah, he definitely still had some good years ahead of him, and I mean he showed that in Dallas when he was in. In that that team that he probably barely had any time to get used to running. Well, he's not going to have much more time with the Bears than he had with the Cowboys. Yeah, I I see what you're saying there. But I don't know. I'm optimistic that this offseason will be more involved than this previous one. Just because people are more comfortable with the, the Zoom calling and using that for the workouts ah. and getting to know the offense. And, you know, maybe he's a little bit more energetic to go here as the starter, <laughs> as, 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 as the starter self-reported by him. Maybe he's, he's a little more jazzed up to get, starter. get in with the first team and, and know the offense. And, I mean, hey, they got Nick Foles for one playoff to roll around. Uh, no, we, we've we've kind of covered a, a lot of the stuff that we've mentioned. I, I guess one of the things that we haven't mentioned is just kind of our, our general philosophy to how we feel about what a team needs to do in free agency and how they need to build the team. And, I mean, it's easy to say something like, oh, you need to build around a franchise quarterback. But this year and past years have, have taught us, like, what is a franchise quarterback? A couple of years ago, like, Two or three years ago, I would have told you Carson Wentz was a franchise quarterback. Jared Goff was a franchise quarterback. Josh Rosen might have been a franchise quarterback. Yeah, if yeah, you asked yeah. I mean, time. yeah, early, early, any of those early draft picks, you could argue were franchise guys. And now we you're said Josh like, Allen's oh, not. They, yeah, and and now we've seen they get paid some money, and then they the team suffers around them because they have to cheap out on some of those other positions like offensive line, defensive line, one where if you, with some good money, you can bring in some of the, the best guys that are there and really protect a young quarterback or someone that's that you have there on the cheap and really make a run at some of these things. And, I mean, you've seen with, with guys like Tom Brady, who's taken less money and allowed those teams to be built around him, that it's kind of worked out for them in their favor. And it, it's tough to to kind of nail down the absolute best strategy for draft or for building a team. But what are, what are some of your thoughts, Alan, on what, what moves you like 
to to have and how you would like to invest some of your money as a GM. I agree that there is no one good way to build a franchise, but I think that's an important point that though there's not a single way to build a franchise, I think you need to pick a way. Uh, you know, I, I see a lot of teams that, that float into mediocrity. Uh, you know, they have high turnover, head coach and general manager. And, you know, if your general manager is making moves, attempting uh, one strategy and another guy comes in, and switch to completely pivots to a different strategy. You know, if that doesn't start working in one or two years, maybe the owner get a little pressure to fire that GM and just keep keep the cycle churning. Uh, you know, I, I think those are the franchises that struggle. Uh, you know, to be competitive year to year, are ones that you know that try to try to change it up too much and don't stick with one strategy. You know, don't don't try to pick a young quarterback and build around it. Don't try to build around the draft. Don't just try to build in free agency. So. Uh, you know, if, if, if I'm a GM, a new GM for the first time, uh, what I'm requesting is patience and what I'm requesting is consistency, like a, like an organizational goal to pick, to, to set out. And I'm, I'm sure people do this and I'm sure people don't like intend to be inconsistent, but you like to think that every GM is coming in there, having their five year plan to yep. get their team to the Super Bowl. And I, I would be concerned if I was the owner hiring a GM and they didn't have a five-year plan <laughs> to get us to the Super Bowl. I would not be hiring that person. But I think a, a big thing as a GM in, that you really need to utilize is I think the draft is, is so important. We've seen some, some of the talent that comes from early first-rounders and even some of the later rounds as well. Like These are guys that you can build around. I mean, there's people like Russell Wilson – who end up leading a franchise to a Super Bowl. Dak Prescott, who was a late uh, round quarterback pick, who is now getting paid and he's a franchise guy. So you can find gold in some of those later rounds and being able to kind of pinpoint those guys and know when to invest a high round pick in, in a quarterback or a running back or a wide receiver is, is a skill that uh, I think is huge. And I, I think that's where you kind of separate the teams that are doing well and the teams that are doing bad is who can find guys in the draft that will fit in their team and, and translate right into success. Yeah, that's, uh, that's super exciting. In about a month, we got the draft coming up, so we'll be able to uh, see kind of which franchises are picking good and which franchises is reaching. Yeah, and I, I, it's really interesting. I feel like we didn't get it as much in, in this past year with teams kind of making some of those trades at the draft and kind of moving around uh, some of those early round picks, either moving up, moving back. And I'm thinking with with some of the quarterbacks that are there, there's a lot of different grades that teams have on some of these quarterbacks. So I could see maybe if, if there's a guy uh, like I think Zach Miller, I forget the quarterback's name, uh, but someone like him who if a, a team has a really high grade on him and they notice that he's starting to fall a little bit, that they might want to trade up to grab him while he's there at, at, at a deal in, in a place where they didn't think they would have had any leverage to move up to get him. So yeah. I, BYU I'd, I'd love to quarterback see, Zach yeah. Wilson. Yeah. I, I I'd love to see, to see some, some movement on draft day and see some teams who, who you might've thought were, were comfortable in their quarterback situation, maybe making, making a move or, or you, you thought they were comfortable with where they were at kind of making a move up to get a guy who could be a real big difference maker for, for their team. And also in, in normal Steelers fashion to pick a linebacker in the first round. 24th overall, sweet spot, baby. Yep. <laughs> Middle linebacker. <laughs>
I'm, I'm guessing All right. D- I, I, I DB, man. Stephen We're letting Steven Nelson go. It's DB for sure. I, I, I've heard it before. I, I'm, I'm going to – if I were a betting man, it'd be linebacker. All right. All right, Jeff, I appreciate you joining me for this inaugural episode of White Men Disagree About Sports. I can't wait to see what an awful editing job I got ahead of me this week. It has been great talking with you, and, you know, uh, only one other person's audio to edit, so let's let's hope it's not too much work, and <laughs> let's hope next time we got some, some more people to talk and uh, extra work for Alan on the back end with editing. Hey, see you later. Bye.